0: Hello, and welcome to CINITY's first ever global virtual summit. A summit is by definition a forum for us to convene in order to dialogue and share regarding a common cause. For this summit, we have brought together industry leaders, experts, and practitioners to discuss the role of data in the context of business, hence our theme, where business and data converge. I am Leonard McGann, the Chief Customer Officer at CINITY. At CINITY, we solve complex data challenges in order to keep supply chains running, improve cash liquidity or margins, meet compliance demands, and more. We are pleased to showcase a group of industry and business leaders from Unilever, SAP, Sensing, and some of our own CINETI experts to share and exchange their insights on data transformations, CDO perspectives, context computing, data management, why purpose matters, and even roundtables where you can help set the agenda.
1: Our last session for the day is a live moderated session with some of our experts around the world from the US, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, and Singapore. All of our panelists are practicing data experts and consultants and have extensive hands-on experience in businesses and public organizations through their digital business transformation where business and data converge, the theme for our virtual summit. Their expertise spans across industries including, but not limited, to manufacturing and distribution, life sciences, regulated industries, retail, mm-hmm. and a wide spectrum of business outcomes, navigating business processes such as supply chain, procure to pay, order to cash, HCM, PLM, and others. Be sure to use the chat feature on the bottom of your screen to submit your questions and exchange ideas and insights enjoy your interactive session and thank you once again for joining our virtual summit
2: hello and thank you for joining us today my name is frankie Steele, and i'm the vp of sales in australia and new zealand vicinity i am very pleased to be moderating the session today we have some very experienced experts on the panel today to share their knowledge with you please can you help me to make this session interactive use the questions um, box below to post your questions and we will do our best to answer them in this session. I'd like now to ask the panel to introduce themselves. So, first off uh, joining us via the phone is Paul Didi. So, Paul, you've had a very interesting background. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, about it and your convictions when it comes to digital strategy and data? Right, I think we might be having a few technical issues with Paul at the moment. Um, so I will flick on to Rohit. Rohit, um, please can you introduce yourself and share your areas of expertise?
3: Sure, Frankie. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Rohit Wattipalli, Senior Consultant at Siniti, uh based in Singapore. I specialize in uh, information governance and have uh, experience uh, working with uh, clients from both governments and corporate entities um, in uh, helping them manage uh, data as an enterprise asset and for helping them leverage data for informed decision making. Uh, My personal favorite topic though is uh, in in actually managing change uh, after the implementation of information governance initiatives to ensure a successful high rate of adoption. And uh, also another area of particular interest to me and the area which I follow very closely is on, uh, on uh, the role of data and data governance in public policy and macroeconomics. Over to you, Frankie.
2: Um, excellent, thanks, Rohit. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of questions today around the change management aspects as I know that's a real challenge for some of our clients. Um, Johan, where are you joining us from today? And can you tell the audience, please, a little bit about you?
4: Hi, uh, thanks, Frankie. So, hi, guys, my name is Johan. I'm joining today from South Africa. Um, I'm actually stuck here at the moment with no flights back to Singapore. Um, but a little bit more about myself. I I joined um, the South African National Defence Force um, as a software tester straight velocity and um, worked on very interesting projects back in the day where We helped our customers, uh, being the Navy, with tactical command and control systems. And a very important piece of my work um, back then was to ensure that the hexadecimal data pieces that we send across HF radios are actually correct for the symbols that gets displayed on the tactical command and control systems. And right then, I also understood the importance of having um, the correct data and the after problems if you do not send the correct data and in fact we actually um, had people's lives at stake um, in, in, in our exercises of testing that software so straight from, from from there I had an interest in data and the importance of data in, in systems and, and enterprise wide cross harmonization of data as well and um, since then I've been in data related projects I joined uh, an implementation consulting firm in South Africa and since then, I've been in data-related projects all the way until I joined Synerty about three years ago. And together yeah. with Synerty, we've helped customers in, in multiple verticals to manage their data as a strategic asset. And it stretches across all of um, the, the Dama-Dimbok knowledge areas in terms of data architecture, data quality, reference and master data, and obviously linking all of that back into transformational journeys as well. So, I'm happy to to join today and and share some insights in what we've gained so far in in the region.
2: Wow, I love that, Uh, using data to actually save lives. I think that's fantastic. Um, We will try again to reconnect with Paul. Um, Again, Paul, can you just give us a bit of um, understanding about your diverse background and your thoughts when it comes to digital strategy and data?
5: Sure, thank you. Can you hear me clearly now?
2: Yes, we can hear you. Can you speak up a bit, please?
5: Sure, no problem. Is that a little bit better? Yes. Great. Listen, and um, apologies for the, the technical issues and the connecting, but um, my, my my relationship and, and uh, with CiNity actually goes back quite a while, and back office prior to Synity. And so while I'm a relatively new member to the Cinity team leading delivery here in AMZ, my relationship with BackOffice and Synity as a, as a customer uh, and as a as a partner goes back probably 10 to 12 years. And in my days as a customer with Rio Tinto, BackOffice and Synity were a key enabler for us both from a platform point of view and from a data strategy perspective. And in my days with EY and with SAP, they were a key partner for us in many transformation programs. And so when I look at the data today and being a member of the Cendity team, what excites me is the history and the experience that Synity have had as a data migration and platform partner, but the drive that the organisation has to now um, have data as more of a strategic asset and the role that we can play with our customers to have data as a topic that we talk about upfront when we talk about transformation, as opposed to it being more of a a migration topic through the life cycle of transformation. So my my principles and drivers for data, Frankie, are very much driven on and data being an upfront conversation uh, that we use it to measure the maturity and the res- readiness for, of the business to achieve the transformational outcomes. And probably more importantly, post-migration mig- of the data, we use it as a barometer to understand and assess the success of the transformation post the technical deployment. So for me, data has got a full life cycle relationship when you look at transformation.
2: I love it. Thanks, Paul. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Rohit, we've just heard this from Paul and we've heard it from the experts in the previous sessions. Data as an asset, um, or more importantly, data as a strategic asset. Um, so, our CDOs really um, honed it on this as a theme. So, to you, what kind of data matters?
3: So, Frankie, uh, when we talk about any asset, any enterprise asset, uh, the first classification which we would normally think of is uh, whether an asset is an appreciating asset or a depreciating asset. So, and, and, and this is also applicable to data, right? So uh, the normal business processes, which we associate with assets, which is about stock taking and also valuation and housekeeping, uh, which typically happen in plants and warehouses, this happens in data as well, and this should happen. And and, uh, in my observation, enterprises are doing those things, though a little more like, you know, this needs to evolve as a practice. So uh, what we can actually look at, at data as an asset is it is important to identify which are which one of those appreciating assets which means the historical data which over a period of time provides more and more information for your an- analytics for your predictive modelings for your future machine learning algorithms to actually like you know look at all the historical transactions and say hey you know this is the kind of you know consumer behavior that you are expecting you know this is what the market is responding to a certain change in, in, in a product. So uh, let me just give you an example of, of, of a bank I worked with. So this bank is, uh, uh, has identified such an appreciating asset, which is 15 years of historical credit card transactions. So what they have done is they have used these transactions to identify patterns of credit card fraud. So when they actually looked at, they identified certain patterns in which those who steal credit cards spend the money. So they identified that typically within an hour of a credit card being stolen, the thieves actually before the the, the owner of the credit card realizes that it is gone, they actually spend it in the outskirts of the city where there is less surveillance and coverage. So that's an important thing, and they use that in order to actually uh, like you know immediately alert certain suspicious transactions and after which they were able to actually get down the 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 loss because of fraud by over twenty seven percent which is quite significant so that is the kind of data which really matters to enterprise so so it is important that you ide- enterprises actually take a careful look at all the data that is available. And uh, especially in these days, there's so much of data that is coming in through mobile devices, the IOTs, and the marketing channels, or like, you know, online web click-streamed data. So it's important that you identify the one which is really appreciating in nature, while also paying attention to the depreciating asset, uh, the depreciating data, data asset, and make sure that, you know, you. Cur- do the archival on time, so that the, the, the processing power of your systems is actually optimized for the, the most important data assets.
2: That's a really great example. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, amazing to to see the impact on fraud, and I'm sure 27% led, was a lot of dollars, right? Um, so, Johan, yeah. can I ask you, um, I've heard the declaration, 20% of data drives 80% of the business. How has that evidenced itself in some of the data programs that you have led
4: frankie the the eighty twenty rule um, for me is actually a very important principle and um, that can be applied beyond data. i think in 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 general it's it's the pareto principle to say that eighty um, percent of results is usually driven by twenty percent of the effort um, and and what 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 you can do is you can look at it from different dimensions. Um, the data space for for example if you just think about um, how you want to manage data as, as a strategic asset to start with in large organizations they might have hundreds of systems um, and you do not necessarily see every system as being critical for for the business to to survive so when, when when you need to to apply formal processes to to govern your data you really need to look at the the, the first systems as re- and then within in each one of those systems, there are certain data sets that's more important than others. And data sets, there are certain data fields that's more important than others. And in terms of, of, of identifying the importance, you to almost go through a formal process of justifying why a specific data element is important for the business and whether that's compliance or profitability or trust, um, customer satisfaction, there's, there's, there's various parameters that you can incorporate in that, in that conversation to say why do I need to govern specific elements of data to, to help my business um, to be better. And um, that, that's just one dimension to make it pragmatic and, and operationalizable to really start small and pragmatic when you actually govern data so that you get the most out of your important data for your business benefit. But you can also look at it from a business perspective. One of our customers in in, in um, the Philippines actually had um, a, a marketing campaign, and they wanted to focus on the twenty percent most profitable customers. And the problem that they had is, is they had no way of identifying what that twenty percent um, of important customers are because they had multiple systems. They had customers, um, this is also in a financial institution where they had customers with loans and, and credit cards and home loans, and they had all of this data in separate systems, and they had no way of really linking it all together to make a decision to say, we wanna target this 20% for our marketing campaign to do our upselling or cross-selling. So we were able to help them, for example, to really um, give them the data to to support that argument, to really have a focused approach in their marketing segment. So. Um, again, applying the Pareto Principle and focusing on your 20% most important customers and then using data to actually do additional, additional work on, on that really brings value out of your data. Um, and I think you can, you can go all the way down to, to, to data initiatives from a cleansing perspective. If you have data quality problems in mining and manufacturing organizations, you might have thousands and thousands of errors in your material for example, and how do you decide which ones to, to prioritize and, and, and where to start with that cleansing exercise? Again, applying the Pareto principle, um, filtering your data on the most important data first, the material that you used most, and then cleaning those or, or, or having governance controls around those is very important for organizations um, to, to apply. So that's my, my thinking in terms of the Pareto principle. I think you can really apply it in different dimensions, but at the end of the day, First, focusing on what's important and what's driving value for the business and using data to improve on that, is what I would say.
2: That sounds like a really pragmatic approach. Thank you. Um, Paul, during our break, you shared with me your observation that data is a lead indicator. Can you tell us more about that?
5: Yeah, sure, Frankie. Um, if, I, if I roll the clock back a little bit and, and I think of my days, um, specifically with Rio Tinto, um, where we were going through uh, a global transformation of the business over a 10-plus year period, and what we did uh, in Rio Tinto um, was we used data very much as a lead indicator prior to deploying the Rio Tinto business solution at product group level. Six months prior to the planned transformation initiative, we would go in and do uh, a detailed data quality health assessment. Now we did that as a lead indicator to understand the readiness of that product group or that business to consume the next wave of transformation. So early in my career, I learned the value of data as a lead indicator and, and with a real focus on business readiness to see transformation. As we deployed then through uh, the business uh, solution for Rio to across product group, through the life cycle of the deployment, we again use data through the life cycle of the project as a lead indicator to understand the status of the design and build completeness. So we consciously use the trial conversions as an indicator of readiness to deploy. And then post-deployment, and we've used data or real use data to assess whether or not the transformation has achieved the targeted business outcome. And so for me, in my real experience as the customer data was a lead indicator prior to deployment, it was a lead indicator during deployment, and then it's an indicator post-deployment to see whether or not we've achieved a targeted outcome. And subsequent to real, and as I look at my consulting career, and I've used data specifically again when we look at multi-program or multi-project portfolios, where with the first iteration of the program, we establish a baseline view of data. And then through the life cycle of the portfolio, we again use data as a lead indicator to select which program or project within the portfolio we should go with next. So, so for me, they're, they're the dimensions of data being a lead indicator, Frankie, that, that give me a view through the full life cycle of transformation, readiness, effectiveness to deploy, and whether or not we're getting a return on investment post the transformation.
2: I think that's a fantastic view because it's a very fact based and consistent view through the journey. And I think that's super important. Anyway, I want to talk now a little bit, um, I guess, drawing on your guys' expertise and what are the lessons that you've learned? So, Johan, what does metadata mean to you? Um, and how does it work? And how does it accelerate um, enterprise business processes?
4: Frankly, metadata is, is 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 extremely important um, for organisations if if they if they do have an aspiration to be data driven and and the reason is let's start with what metadata means. Um, metadata is data about data. You have you have operational metadata. You have business metadata. Um, when I when I talk about business metadata, you have business glossaries and what certain terms mean um, and what that impact is to the organisation. And the more data you have about data, the more context you have about all of your data pieces. And that really becomes powerful for, for your decision making from a business perspective. And if you if you look at customer, for example, you might have a term customer. Um, what does that mean? Um, you might have a data set customer. What does that mean? Where does that customer data set exist? It might exist in multiple systems. Um, a customer might have a sales order. It might have an address, a ship to, a bill to, Um, It might have account groups. There's a lot of different terms that can be linked all together. And when you then also define what it means to the business, what impact it is if you do have, for example, a rule associated to a customer to say that in my system, I need to ensure that you cannot delete a customer if it is actually a, a, if if it still has open accounts receivable and that's a very important rule that you want to apply on your data to ensure that your, your your ar is still actually um your revenue is still being collected and um for you to actually implement controls um and and, and register information about all of these data sets is very important because when when you register the rule against this customer data set it will affect certain policies. It will affect certain KPIs, your customer satisfaction again. It might also improve your business processes to ensure that if you govern this as a rule to say that I want to protect my customer data and not allow for you to delete it if there's open a- accounts receivable, that actually means you're improving your your, your your revenue collection as a business process. But also metadata can be used to accelerate can be used, to, for example, in the data migration. World, um, as a company, we actually have, uh, have a philosophy of being metadata-driven, where we use data about data to accelerate our data initiatives. To give you an example, if you move from one legacy system to another target system, you want to be able to, to compare the metadata of your source system and of your target system and leverage automation and intelligent software to auto-generate mappings and rules to ensure that you actually do migrate the data appropriately to your target system. And in fact, um, w- one of our solutions that Synity has is actually um, have a metadata-driven approach to generate thousands of validation checks to ensure you simulate your data set against that target metadata model to ensure that whatever data you move across is actually in check. So. A metadata-driven approach is really important for any organization, um, and and the power that you have of context to data is is, is something that you cannot put um, a, a value against. It's invaluable, um, especially if you have to adapt in times like today where you need to have data about data. If you think about supply chain and inventory management and, and, and stock not moving, you need to understand if you identify stock, stock that's stuck, you need to identify what that stock is, what does it mean for the company, can we get rid of it, should we move it, should we not, what's the decision making that goes with that? And if you actually register all of your metadata um, appropriately for all of your different um, pieces of your puzzle, you'll be in a position to make important decisions that will affect your your, your business. Um, so, from, from my perspective, metadata is the way that every organisation should look at their um, data strategies going forward to ensure that they bring all of these pieces together for the, 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 the much-needed context.
2: Um, thank you. That was that was very insightful. Um, so, Paul, you mentioned that you used to be a CENETI customer, and now you're Australia and New Zealand's Director of Consulting and my partner in crime. Um, what are the key lessons that um you can can teach others um, given that you've sat on both sides of the fence
5: Yeah, Frankie I suppose probably for me i can be the voice of the customer within uh from an ANz and and from from a regional point of view, from a delivery perspective so if i if I lead with that view, the fact that I've sat on both sides of the fence and the voice of the customer is an important dimension. And when I look at data specifically, and specifically being a customer of Back Office vicinity and a delivery partner with Back Office vicinity in my SOP and EY days, and, and understanding that data is an asset, and it's an asset and probably the only there vari- one of the key variables when you go into an organization to deploy, the one variable that they bring to the table is their data. Largely today, there's quite a, a common or generic uh, technology or solution footprint. so. What an organisation brings as a differentiator tends to be the data element. So understanding that data is a differentiator and understanding that data is an asset. When I look at my role within um, Synity from a consulting point of view, it's to help our customers understand data as an asset, understand how to make it a differentiator for them within their business and within their market, and then through our tool set and solutions ensure that they get a maximum return from that data as an asset and they get the opportunity to use it to really differentiate themselves within their industry sector or within their market. That's my focus coming into the consulting leadership role at Synity.
2: Excellent, and I, and I know we've started some of these conversations already, so um, look forward to them continuing. Right, um, can you bring to life for us, when it comes to driving and delivering data value, what's your experience been?
3: Well, uh, in my experience, uh, I've seen, uh, I've been a witness to a very drastic transition across the world pro- where the business decisions are taken based on individual memory to business decisions being taken based on organizational memory. And data forms a very integral part of organizational memory. So, So, any enterprise which which does not manage data as an asset over a period of time will suffer from organizational memory loss and 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 this organizational memory loss actually results in decisions that are not very well informed in nature so so enterprises lose that particular competitive edge which is supposed to be there and i personally when i look at data I I would actually relate and I would always ask myself, what if data were a person? What if data were an individual? I would look at the personality of that individual as someone who is an extrovert who speaks a lot, but is very verbose in nature. So it is important that actually organizations keep uh, all their eyes and ears open to what this data person or data individual is actually telling them. And, and another important thing is, just like personalities have context behind them, data has a context. And then when you add that particular context to the data, it actually becomes valuable information. So, so, so something that your data interprets today based on certain parameters may not necessarily be the same, say, five years down the lane, which means the usage pattern, say, of uh, certain, uh, like Nokia phones 10 years ago, may not necessarily be applicable today. So so the market is changing, the dynamics are changing, the consumer behavior is changing, and so should the way we interpret data. Another important aspect I've noticed is uh, that we are slowly moving away from statistical modeling, the business data, because in the days when data was not really that easily available, businesses actually looked at engaging statisticians to get sample data from the markets in or analyze that sample data and uh, usually the sample data sizes would never be more than a few thousand so to to draw their own interpretations so statistics is always open to assumptions and interpretations however data is not data when you manage it properly and when it is properly groomed as a personality it speaks loud and clear and 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 like, you know, organizations can ignore it at their own peril. So, having said that, um, so uh, data is something, as again, linking back to what Johan just said, like, the, the enterprise managing data as an asset. And he spoke uh, also about metadata and how important it is. Just like the way you actually keep a stock of all the inventory of assets that you have, it's important that enterprises maintain what data do they have and under what context the data has been captured as well right that is also equally important so that you derive the real value of data because because again right when you draw certain conclusions it is also important to understand what are the premises which have gone behind it so that is when you the, 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 it completes the full picture for business decision making so i think uh, the good thing is that enterprises are on the right path so most most customers I've spoken to, they are all asking these questions. They're saying, they're saying, how do we actually, like you know, prepare for our journey? Like you know, we want to implement uh, the the cutting edge technologies of data analytics, of predictive analytics, especially in the service industry. Um, uh, recently, I was talking to an insurance customer who's saying that you know we want to be able to to identify pot- potential service disruptions which can occur. Is there something that we can actually do to leverage the historical data? Again, right? what they started doing is they started identifying all these. They started bookmarking data to see what are the service interruptions which have occurred in the past, and how are they linked to people, the training of people, and also the organizational structure. Now, that is like putting all the pieces of the jigsaw together to form a complete picture. So that way actually I think we will be able to uh, like you know, create full value out of data.
2: Um, I think that's super important. The the whole picture piece, I think um that's a really good analogy. Thanks very much for it. I also think you described me as data, but that's okay. Um just one question because we're kind of running out of time. So one last question before we go. And Robert, I'll direct this to you. Um it's kind of topical right now with COVID nineteen. Um, business continuity is, is really important. We're seeing massive disruption in, in businesses um, today. How are you seeing customers and clients um, tackle that?
3: Well, it's a, it's an important question. I think this is on everyone's mind. These days, everyone is asking this question to see how what are the lessons that we can learn from this crisis. Uh, the good thing is, uh, you know, humankind has always been learning lessons from each and every crisis whether it is the the Asian financial crisis or the 2009 crisis. So these things have actually changed the way actually financial institutions respond to credit risk or manage the credit risk. But this time around the COVID crisis is creating a much larger disruption. And the first major impact it is going to create is on supply chain. So the way we look at is now there is a lot of talk. Governments are talking about it. Enterprises are talking about it because this crisis has demolished any sort of a separation that lies between governments and enterprise. It actually talks about global responses to anything and a global visibility. So while we might in the short term see the supply chains actually moving away from from a point-to-point delivery model to a hub-and-spoke model, uh, what we will witness is a globalization of data so the, the 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 kind of perceptions that people today have about data privacy about data sovereignty is actually going to change and what is it is going to replace in terms of policies or in terms of inter, like you know business strategies is to see what sort of a data we can have to get, kind of get a visibility because let me just give you an example what is it if you actually take a like, you know, we have now have some kind of a benefit of hindsight on what we could have done better to manage the COVID crisis. One is when the COVID crisis actually took us everyone by surprise, we were all actually like, you know, no one had data, even like, you know, bureaucrats in the government or the, the C-level people in the enterprises didn't have data. Where are the supply chains? What are the alternatives that are available? Um, like, you know, if, if you look at healthcare, how many beds do we have? How many ventilators do we have? What is the supply? Of pharmaceutical industry, what, how it is happening. Where, like, you know, if my main supplier is gone down, what are the next alternative suppliers? Do we have data about it? So everyone was like completely took off guard and they were like scrambling for data everywhere. I think this is what is going to change. Um, even uh, just very recently, OECD also actually published a paper which says that I think there is a much larger necessity for not just governments, but enterprises across the globe to actually start sharing data between themselves. Now, it's a different thing for policymakers to look at what data is shared and how much it is shared and who has access to it. That's, uh, That's a completely policy standpoint, but what it is going to change the way we information management professionals look at it is, are enterprises ready for this change that is happening? And it is happening very soon. With, with, Because another major change in manufacturing, if you look at it, the way just-in-time manufacturing used to happen is going to change. Because now companies, though it is going to be expensive, will look at having supplies, keeping for, like, accounting for any disruptions. So the just-in-time is not going to work anymore. So with that kind of a thing, are really enterprises ready for such things? There is another change, diversific- diversification of supply chain if your supply chain is diversified, are there uniform standards of data that you can actually use to exchange? So we will actually look at, we will slowly be actually arriving at a stage where there will be protocols established for data sharing between enterprises, between, uh, you know, within countries and also between countries as well. And similarly, the pharma and healthcare sector, at least from a top government perspective, governments are looking at having real-time access to data of how the hospitals are doing, what is the capacity, what is the utilization, and secondly, even the patient health-related data. Are there any particular spikes of a certain unique unique disease which is actually happening in any certain locality? Can we do something to actually respond to such things? I think this is what is going to drive our future and 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 also i think this is the kind of a biggest lesson that is it has actually uh this crisis has like you know taught the entire world and uh in fact uh, the recent uh conversation which is also happening between the business leaders of the g20 nations um, is that uh, there should be more uh, uh, exchange of data to see how how the supply chains can be optimized and also be like, you know, uh, like, you know, optimized in such a way that even disruptions can actually be accounted for. So that way, I think uh, in a post COVID era, uh, uh, the way supply chains operate and also the way the data actually is used for decision making is going to completely change. And uh, uh, having said that, I think there is no right time than now where actually the core business is at its uh, like, you know, leanest period uh, for enterprises to start preparing in fact we are already getting inquiries from some of our customers uh, asking us what is it that we can do now please tell us what is it that we can do to actually be ready for the changes that are happening globally i think that is the relevant question which enterprises are asking and we are also engaging with our customers currently to see uh, especially Johan and I were recently in a conversation with a customer to see how we can actually uh, uh, improvise and uh, actually get their uh, their inventory reporting much more accurate, to see actually how they can actually trace back the lineage of the data to the source of truth, where it is coming from, uh, and also about uh, about uh, like you know standardizing the data that is coming from various suppliers to ensure that uh, there is one uniform way in which you capture all your assets. So these are all the relevant uh, conversations that are happening globally across everywhere in all regions. And uh, I think this is the future to come, Frankie.
2: Yep, I totally agree that it will be a, a new normal and um, let's hope there's some positives that are driven out of this pandemic. Um, So anyway, on behalf of um, all our experts here in Synity, we do wanna say thank you for spending your time with us today. Um, If you didn't get a chance to ask um, or answer any questions, please don't hesitate in reaching out to us. We will be monitoring these sites to make sure that all questions are answered. Um, So thank you again, everybody. Please stay safe and enjoy your evening or your day.
1: My name's Ellie Sordi and it's been an honour being your concierge for Synity's Virtual Summit Unlocked. Thank you again for your participation and for sharing the Virtual Summit. In case you've missed or would like to revisit any sessions, they are now available on demand. Please do share the Virtual Summit and its content with your friends and colleagues by sharing the Virtual Summit URL.